Hey, this is Yogi from Demon Hunter, and you're listening to When Words Fail, Music Speaks Podcast. Fell. Music Speaks interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wooden Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. I'm your handicap host, James Cox. We have a special guest today. Our guest is award winning singer, songwriter, performer, and multi instrumentalist from Shelburne, Ontario, Canada. Blurring the lines between pop, rock, folk, and country music genres, Ed's uniquely crafted songs have received regular rotation and on more than 100 industrial radio stations across North America and more than 600 stations worldwide. Ed is an Artist Music Guild Award nominee. That's a lot of things to say. Uh, and in International Music and Entertainment Associate Award winner, a Josie Show Awards winner, a Academia Awards winner, and two-time in, in the Music Channel Award winner. Yeah, man, that's a lot. Ed won a 2017 Radio Music Award for Best American Artist. He is also number one iTunes target artist. His single, Stronger, came out earlier this year as a new hint, as well as a new single, Tomorrow's Today, which is great. Released recently on September 4th, 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ed Roman. What's up, man? Hey James. hey, James. Good to be here, my friend. How Good you to doing? Talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, well, first of all, um, uh, how is life in Canada? Because I know in America it's kind of iffy with the virus. So how, how are you holding up right now? Well, that's a good question. And it's a big question. I think like everybody around the world, we're just sort of coping with whatever comes day to day. And uh and making the best of it. There's, uh, I mean, in my, in my position, I, I kind of feel lucky because I, I live outside of the, the cities, um, and I, you know, I have a, a place where I can grow food, and um, I'm not completely isolated. But at the same time, I, I, you know, I have a place where I can go walking every day, and and I don't feel like you know as cooped up maybe as others. Right. That, that's helped. That's helped me immensely. I would encourage anybody to go to a public park or anywhere just to decompress because it's 
Absolutely. It's essential. Like, yeah. I mean, we're part of nature, but we're doing well. Like, yeah. you know, just like Americans, you know, you guys are you're struggling just like we are, but mm. we're getting through it, man. We're yeah, yeah. Through it. Yeah, one, one day at a time, you know. So, yeah. Um, earlier, when I texted you to go on Instagram, um, we talked about how music moves you. Um, and you mentioned I have a very good um, name for my podcast. And I just want to know what music inspires you because I, um, I, uh, released that i i made a facebook post saying what music inspires all anybody on my facebook facebook um page and i got a lot of good responses i just want to know um which which uh music or song inspired you to like okay that's that's something that i really want to you know um listen to more you know man it's a great question james because i think it's like I think we could come at that answer in, in so many different ways because art is like what you did on your page by posting that question is, is like a process question and process is always a big part of it. People like to interact with that. But that, with that said, aside from like, you know, the initial spark of being intrigued by the song, the inertia of it, the, the musical aspect, how it affects you immediately when you hear it, that's sort of like, you know, the hook. <laughs> it's like a hook yeah, line sinker, yeah. a hook line sinker thing going on. The line to me is the, is the lyrical content. You know what? What is the message saying? In and what shape and form is it taking with that music that's creating that attitude and a multitude of, of things that sort of take you down your own journey as to what the lyrics may actually mean. Right. And then the and then the sinker is is realizing the potential of what it all is coming together in one form. Uh, and, and with that, with that said, your question, like I said, has a lot of gravity to it because it's like, <laughs> there's so many times in my life where I've been turned on to different stuff. It's grown on me. I've moved right. away from it. Doesn't mean I don't like it anymore, but I'm also always being intrigued by new things. And at the same time, I'm also revisiting the past because I, as a lyricist, I realized that, you know, you may have written a song 10 or 15 years ago, but the reason that you wrote it is because you're leaving like a, some sort of emotional time marker right? To, to how you're feeling and what's going on. And that's, I think, the beauty of a lot of art is this, you know, Herbie Hancock once said, the definition of an artist is one who has the ability to fuse their life with the rhythm of the times. And, and I think with that said, that's what, why we have this wonderful dialogue and an archive of people's feelings, emotions, and perspectives of, of, of how you go through things. So I'm, it's crazy to think about it this way, but I often think of music on an anthropological level, on a sociological level, as to it, just like you know, writers of the past that maybe in some ways, whether they be poets, uh, you know, people that were making acclamations and statements about certain things that greatly changed you know the course of maybe sort of the historical uh you know point of history all of those things are there and still represent a lot of you know as i said before gravity even today this is why we keep revisiting eclectic music and things from the past because it right. has just as much of importance today as it did then yeah. so you're yeah, it's a good question man you know <laughs> I, I love it all it's, it's it's what drives me it's the energy and then the lyrics and how it all works together right Right. Um, I was talking to another interview I, I had before, and um, and my ba my band back in the day was Metallica, and you couldn't get me enough to stay away from the Metallica group. 
Um, they were it back then. And as I grew up in my, you know, years of me growing up, I, I became more um, aware and uh, mature in my music genre um, uh, aspect. And I, and I learned to love more music more than just metal. Because I grew up with nothing but metal, you know, when my mom got me my first Metallica tape, you know, the cassettes when they were back then. So, um, uh, it, was there a band that really motivated you to, to um, uh, start your music career or what, or, um, what's the first song you heard, heard, um, that really said, okay, I want to do this. This is going to be my life, you know? <laughs> Again, James, buddy, that's huge. It's huge. But I have to say about your first day, man, it's highly astute, man, because like music is a part of your evolutionary process as a person. Right. Like you, you're like, yeah. it's for you saying that you, you were into that and then moved on. It doesn't mean that you don't, that you still, that you don't like it anymore. No, no. It's just that you're, you're going through a process and it doesn't mean that you won't revisit it. So right. that's, that, that's totally true. So that's why I say it is sort of anthropological and sociological. It grows through this change, even for yourself personally. But with that <clears> said, <throat> I was just thinking of scribbling some bands down, thinking that exact same thing. Like, I mean, when I was like, seven i took a taxi ride with my grandmother she'd go to this place that was like you know the plaza that had the bank and the cake shop and the hairdresser and the grocery store and next to this bank there was this little photo shop but the guy also sold records right right so she gave she gave me like five bucks it's a big deal back in oh, 1977 yeah. five, right. five bucks five bucks was a lot yeah yeah sir, right? yeah 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 so i go in and i start perusing it and, and, and from a very young age everybody was always saying have you ever heard of the beatles hey have you ever heard of the beatles beatles, beatles, beatles John Lennon, yeah. da, 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 da. Yeah. you know and i'm like oh okay so there must be something to this because anytime i hear anybody talk about music on television the radio i hear it it's so my that was my first album and i remember like almost wearing that record out yeah and it was the and it was the first time he's even as a young kid where i really came to sort of the emotional connection to it where it wasn't just like something that was making me move but there was tunes on that early album lyrically in subject matter that i actually i cried as a kid because it like when I heard yesterday the first time, it still gives me chills today yeah. when I hear the opening, the opening part of that. Right. And I and, and maybe it's because and this is a really interesting thing to tie into that and the growth of that. Kenny Werner, famous American pianist, he'd wrote he'd written a book, sorry, excuse me, called Effortless Mastery. And, and part of the book was really philosophical other than it being technically driven and thinking about technical things and stuff. Yeah. But as I said, highly philosophical. And one of those things was departing from playing for a period of time, which can be a really healthy thing because it can reinvigorate that exact thing that you have as a kid when you're starting to hear stuff and connect with it in this really prolific uh, emotional kind of way. And, and with that said, I, I, I go back and remember now that those were those times. The other thing is I had a brother that was 10 years older than me. So like he was feeding me Chuck Berry records, Eddie Cocker and great stuff. stuff yeah. you, great. And then, and then I realized the old milk crate down in the basement, you know, had more stuff in it. So then I started getting into like deep purple yeah. and Sabbath, yeah. Sabbath and Ozzy. And who else did I write down here? Are you ACDC? Like oh all this yeah. stuff, like in the early seventies, 
when I was growing up was like, you know, maybe a a seven or eight year old wasn't, you know, normally listening to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was because everybody else in my house was far older than I was. My brothers always had buddies over. My sister's eight years older than me. She always had her girlfriends over. Same thing with my other sister. So it was like I was getting turned on to this whole wide spectrum of stuff, even with my grandparents living with us. It was like Eastern European music, uh, but at, and gypsy stuff. But my grandmother loved like Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, the, again, the Beatles. She was a huge Beatles fan. I always remember talking about how she loved John Lennon. I mean, right. dude, yeah. the time I remember coming home like in, in, in 1981, was it? Yeah, it was 80 or 81. And, and, and I got off the bus and I came into the kitchen and like, like my dad and my my grandmother and I think my it was my sister they were crying in the kitchen and I immediately thought oh something died yeah. like yeah. in our family <laughs> something and, bad and it happened was, yeah. it, it was it, it was when Lennon was shot oh yeah and, and, yeah that was a... people it, it, people were so uh, upset like and I remember yeah. even watching like huddled around the TV as my family watching the news <clears> reports <throat> that evening so yeah. uh, you know that that was an evolutionary process when i got a little older it was like somebody handed me a jaco pastorius record two of them famous american bass player mm-hmm. who like if to 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 the bass playing world was like a cross between you know a great composer like charles mingus or duke ellington intermingled with the prowess and electricity of Jimi hendrix Mm. He, an unbelievable uh, a human and, and player and, and presence, as I said. So that sent me on the world of fusion, jazz. I got an upright bass. I started getting into a lot of upright playing. And then I always loved, you know, music that was like, I would I would call world folk. So anything from any country that would be like Latin American, African. I played in an African band for like three years. So nice. all all of it has that influence at different points because like you know like you you're like well I was getting into Metallica at a young age but then I progressed that it's the same thing and I think then too it becomes like almost like a more than just a journey because you know how you get into a certain band and you can't get enough and it's almost like a university degree right you know every everything <laughs> about them right like right. it's like so so it's 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 historical too and it's fascinating music that way yeah. Well, that's that's awesome, yeah. Because I, um, yeah, there's so so many great bands to actually go off on, you know. And your first time, it's like, oh my god, this is all great, you know. So, um, uh, you mentioned earlier, um, you were listening to uh, Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. Now, here's a wide, vastly um, argument that that which band started heavy metal i want to ask you since you're you know you know more more about deep purple than i do because i listen to that one song everybody but everybody knows smoke on the water right so yeah. uh, who do you think actually started metal music um deep purple or black sabbath i personally think it's black sabbath because uh during the time i i think that they kind of uh formed the sound of metal you know like sludgy and dark and grim and you know absolutely so. well i mean it's john k right that was from steppenwolf in the lyrical of song of of uh, 
Born to be Wild, where he says, I, lo- I like smoke and lightning, heavy metal thunder. Yeah. And that and that those words were sort of coined as a part of what the music. Yeah, I, we could say it could be Steppenwolf. Yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah in, that, in that way. And I think it's the presence of it. But, but, but I, you know, I. I guess in that way too, from a time frame perspective, you Sabbath has a little bit of extra tenure yeah. in terms of the and, and then comes in, you know, ACDC, which is like almost like a different form of, of that. Because as you said, Sabbath is dark, its overtones are dark, but in the weirdest of ways, what makes Sabbath so appealing and interesting and, and looking at it now, like and I love Ozzy. I love oh, him. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's, I just think he's like a character and a half. I, you know, I always wish him well. I know he's been going through a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jack, and it, it, it's just this neat whole thing. But, but like, look at Crazy Train. People are like, oh, la boy. But the message in it is really amazing. And that's what I found really cool about a band like them is that they offered this sense of dark presence. But when you really searched and understood what the lyrical content meant, you were like, man, this is really positive. Right. Even though it's got such a heavy, dark yes. you know, fa- yes. face to it. So I, I was sucked into that stuff. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So your consensus would be back. Should I be third in middle? Yeah, or, I, okay. I, oh I, yeah, I but like yeah. I'm a purple fan too. Yeah, so yeah, like, purple's great I, like, too. Yeah, and, and John Lord, like he, the Hammond stuff that he did on that and overdriving the organ, and I love Richie Blackmore's playing, and uh, you know, I, I mean. Ian Pace, like I quoted him in, in a lyric for Red Omen that saying that mm-hmm. my, my manager in Stover was like a cross between Benjamin Franklin and, and Ian Pace. Ian Pace always so it was so impressive to me as a rock drummer because he, his idea of counterpoint inside of what he was doing on his own and describing it in his playing, he, he sounds like a straight ahead drummer, but there's a lot of complexity into what he's doing. And the way that he plays is in a very different space that a lot of drummers play in. Like, you know, in terms of beat, functioning like, like a machine means you're happening perfectly on the beat per minute. But there's so many places before and after that beat where music really sits on a human level you know it it can vacillate to the lazy side of it so it feels like you're behind the beat you know when you're playing blues and funk and and maybe some some swamp rock or something like that and then it sits a little bit forward and stuff like that and more progressive music so it's like pushing the tempo in this way where it's sitting above it And, and 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 pace had his own zone somewhere that that would that would that would slash between those two things and it really drove the band in an interesting way it had this laziness to it but it still pushed like if you think of his hi-hat part you were talking about smoke on the water that it's not so like a machine right it has that jazzy feel to it to its to its back and its upstroke that makes you go wow this is really its own thing yeah so i got i got sucked into them too and, yeah. and you know they're, they're i mean they're wild. both they're both great bands so i mean they can't you know so they're awesome to, to listen to um yeah 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 um you have a youtube channel on youtube of course <laughs> that has the 544 subs right now it could be you know you you do a whole lot more because when i looked at your youtube channel you had a lot of videos that had multi cameras on it and I thought that was fantastic because each and each in each cube you had um, its own little uh, uh, separate instrument that you played on. How did you do that? And um, uh, yeah, for, yeah, first of all, let me say, uh, let, let me ask you how how did you do that? Did you 
hear the hear the song first or like did you record one instrument at a time listening to the song or or how how did that work well it's kind of almost like in the recording process in a studio sometimes you're overlaying right uh you know you know parts so i use this uh app and there's i'm sure there's going to be even more of them popping up soon it's through Mixcord, and it's called acapella mm-hmm. um and it allows you to open up like i think it's up to 12 windows mm-hmm. and for for free you get one minute of recording time and then monthly i think it's like 7.99 or something like that for like up to 10 minutes mm-hmm. of recording time per project so uh, as a you know it's like i people call me a multi-instrumentalist really i'm a bass player by trade right yeah well, yeah and and, 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 I, and i'm a lyricist and i play guitar but i've always gravitated to stringed instruments but quite honestly i think we're all drummers at heart mm. we all have this sort of you know feeling of where our rhythm needs to be right um and i was the kid you know that you know had the jam spot so the drum set was at my place or I, whenever I could, I would always be behind a kit because it seems so meditative to me. Uh, and, and at a point when I got a kit, I used to have it set up at the end of my bed and get out of bed in the morning and just start playing. I always was experimenting and I found it really humbling to and, and, and a nice departure. Because, man, when I was going to college, I was basically playing 12 to 14 hours a day, mm-hmm. uh, going to school, playing in a multitude of bands, anything that you can think of, it was ongoing. Right. Right. So I, I always found that, 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 you know, moving into other fields and stuff like that allowed me to think about construction and composition in a way that was like, well, I'm, I'm, I know my part as a bass player mm-hmm. and what I might want to be singing or saying, but at the same time, how does that all fit and how can it, how can it change as a lyricist, I started thinking to myself for the perception of what the words represented. And, and what happened to me was a transformation, James. It was like I started to realize that trying to come up with things, and I know this sounds strange, forcibly come up with things. Like, we got to find a part for this, keep da-da-da-da. Right. That, that's, that's part of it. But listening to the initial catalyst in the process all of a sudden makes that it's not even a hunt or search anymore. It becomes a requirement mm. of, of, of what the idea and the song really is saying, you know, right. we need this support. Yeah. And as a bass player, I remember listening to records, learning parts and doing whatever, playing in different bands, the recording dates, whatever it was and thinking, well, this is how I need to be supportive. What doing all that does even focuses it in a completely different way it mm. also has allowed me to remove my myself my ego uh, and find a new sense of humility in, in in the idea of recording and 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 working like i mean i love working with people in projects right but i re- what i really relish is throwing the ideas at people not saying too much allowing their interpretations to flow through and as a result all this new feeling and idea comes as a part of the the requirement what does this require even even now in the mixing process i've been doing that too instead of sitting on mike jack's shoulder like a parrot going you know are the drums going to be louder (laughs) i I don't i don't need to do that anymore because i trust them implicitly to know from the beginning of the process to the end of the process that we've been capturing it for that exact same reason that way yeah so so that that app allows me to open up different windows 
play what I'll to tell you the truth. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll put the voice and, and like a guitar or my bass down, whatever I've created the original idea on and everything else builds around that. Usually the last thing I end up recording is the drum kit. Cause then I end up having like a full band that I'm listening to and I'm jamming along basically to it. And, and, and then I, you know, you render it and it's ready to post. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's, awesome. that's the way I've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Omen Brothers Band. I love the Omen Brothers Band and, <laughs> and watching your YouTube channel, man, I just, fell in love with your rendition of uh, Midnight Rider. Um, oh, thanks, man. It was so smooth, and I had to lean in to, to hear it, and that's probably the best thing about that song is, is you took the time to, to actually, um, I guess, like whisper the, 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 the lyrics to make people more drawn into it and yes. kind of, you know, figure it out for themselves. So that was that, that was really, really dope. Um, Thanks, and <laughs> and um, here here's a here here's another question about your YouTube channel. I saw uh, the the video for the way she goes, and I instantly fell in love with it too. Um, on that on that song, it it, it sounded like um, you had inspiration for Frank Sinatra because to me to me wow. um, he didn't really actually sing the whole song. He kind of talked through it talk through it and I got and I kind of kind of got that vibe um what was that your meaning or did I just totally blow it over with with, with overthinking it James you're amazing because you uh, that was in like mm, three years or more in different interviews and people talking about that and the work that I've done with that tune you're the first person that said that because when I first started nice. recording that tune Mike Jack said to me, he came out of the control room and he goes, you know what? And, and his Sinatra comment is not too far off the, sto- the mark, but it's more like that storyteller approach. And he was like, think of it like you're this older person and you're talking to a bunch of kids. Right. And, 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 you're, and you're explaining sort of these basic kind of parables to maybe life's mystery or queries you know i i fell in love with this book uh, a bunch of years ago called the alchemist by paulo Coelho. and as this boy is going on his journey you know to find the gold you know supposedly that this oracle tells him about you know it takes him years to do this and travels through the middle east from northern spain into egypt and but the, you know what's amazing about the book is they're always filling the, this boy's head with these little simple quotients of ideas that that pro- propel him in his existence and and, and his inertia and in his journey and, and 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 what's amazing about the book is that you know he realizes that there's nothing there's nothing in the pyramids except some pyramids and some sand. Right. And, and the gold is actually the journey that he's taken yeah. and the people that he's met and the experiences that he's had. So so that song was was things and ideas that, that my grandfather had kind of said to me as a young person. And, you know, as a young person, they didn't have all the same impact then as they do when you get a little older, right? Because right. Yeah. They need to they need to sink in a little bit, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> thick. You got a thick head when you're a little. Sometimes, right? You think you know it all, but and, and, but the, I, I Mike said to me, he goes, you know, like pr- pretend you're like talking it, almost talk, seeing it. And I really like that even with like spoken word, where there's so much information in the idea. I mean, nobody's saying it. 
it's it's just this story and, and this flow of words and ideas, some rhythmical, some rhyming scheme, sometimes not. They're left abbreviated in the strangest of ways on purpose to get you, just like you said, to lean in in your own mind to think about what the bigger statement is trying to say. Right. So so that's that's really what I I, 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 I appreciate that statement because we really tried to, to allow that to happen right. in the yeah. tune, right? Yeah. 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 I and I always thought that if 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 you don't like Frank Sinatra, you don't have any soul, you know. Oh, I love Sinatra. No, oh yeah, yeah, Sinatra's great. Yeah, 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 man, I love Frank. Um, as a musician, do you find it easier to work by yourself, recording everything by yourself and by your standards, or do you find it a lot more easier or better to work with other people on album? Man, that's a great question too. You know, the only thing I find frustrating in terms of having more people involved in a situation is timing of everything. Yeah, it can be really hard to solidify everybody's schedule and make it happen. Right. That alone is usually more time-consuming and sits in rescue for or escrow for a longer period of time than the actual recording does. Yeah. Right. You know, hear, yeah. hearing back from people, da, 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 the drive is two hours, whatever it is, getting tracks to people, figuring out what's going on. The whole recording process and everything that that's yeah. it's it's ironic. Like I haven't really had many issues in my life other than gear failing. Right. You're, well, yeah, yeah. Something, something's wrong, nice. you know, and it's not, it's beyond your control. I remember once we were at a studio and power went out. Yeah. Right. In yeah. the middle of a session, it's like, okay, nobody's <laughs> recording anything. No. <laughs> go, go home yeah. and we'll refund you your money and come back next week. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, 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 as I mentioned, I really like the interaction with people because I find that, that, that there's this searching process in the community that I, that makes it worthwhile. Right. You do the same thing on your own and it's fun to record on your own and, and it's, it's fun to try. Yeah. Right. Now, mm-hmm. I, I won't, I won't, I won't kid you. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of fun, but, but it's really nice working with a group yeah. of people. Yeah. Well, I, I think that can be a blessing and a curse too, because uh, a blessing because working with people, you know, you get the, you get their ideas, you get your ideas and, and it flows more, fluently you know uh, right. the negative side of it is they might not agree with your ideas that you had in your head and you know it, ideas might not flow as well you know there, 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 there's always a blessing and a curse working with people but I just want to get your insights of it you know so absolutely yeah, cool, cool um Winning as many trophies as he did, as he had before, and you won a lot, dude. I'm, 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 I'm thoroughly impressed because I can't win them, you know, a standard trophy. Um, uh, do you feel like um, it's enabled you to push your your ability to create music that is even better? More like, like, um, if you won a trophy uh, or or an award, do you feel like that's a little bit more? Um, inspiration to create like a like a better song better than the one that just won the award huh. you know what I, I, that, the, the, mm, this question's big too dude because um like i could say something like cheeky like i think awards are dangerous <laughs> yeah 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 so, yeah <laughs> kind of a I, kind of a blessing and the curse too you know <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and and at the same time I, i'm humbled i'm humbled greatly humbled by yeah. by recognition acclamation and 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 having those awards but mm. 
that's the blessing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the humility is is overwhelming sometimes, yeah, right? Because right? um, I, uh, I know when because I know when many people win awards, they're like, "Okay, I'm done. That's it. I don't, you know. I mean, they they're not going to try anymore because they won. You know. I mean, sort of, but not really, but kind of. You know what I'm saying? I guess I know. Uh, this is funny because for me, art, music has always been a part of my own personal therapy. Pe- pe- therapy because I struggled so much as a dyslexic and still do mm-hmm. with, with reading, especially um, if my mom at a young age, you know, other than an alarming amount of time she spent with me reading and practicing words and saying things, she gave me a guitar, right? She always encouraged mm-hmm. me pl- plinking on the old piano in, in, the, in the hallway. Nice, like, nice. Yeah. That, 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 that alone is what you just said about the awards factor. The encouragement is humbling to me, but I, somehow I knew it was, it was, it was, it wasn't just that it was making me feel good, but I knew I felt like I could, I could represent, I, I, I you know, at a young age, I, I belong there somehow. I didn't really know what it was, but I knew it, it was because I, I could garner even an adult's attention at the, at a young age by singing like a song in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So and that meant something to me. And then that also allowed me to have a vehicle for, for, you know, opinion even yeah. in my house at a young age amongst a, a group of how many, eight of us all living in a small <laughs> farmhouse that was extremely busy. Um, that that changed that part. So acclamation and and those awards and things that are attached to that are part of that. But what what you know, if I didn't have music, you know, people. I was once asked by the uh, in this interview by somebody from special education that like what would I be doing? Like would I would would it have pushed me my disability into something like that? And and I, and quite frankly, I was like maybe not. It's it's the very issue that gave me the gift of, of 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 having to go through the process of of finding myself at a young age through the problem. Mm-hmm. Now that for me happened at a young age. For other people, it may happen at a different point in their life. But somehow the disadvantage opened up a new doorway for me, and I followed it wholeheartedly because it it, it gave me tenure amongst my friends. It gave me tenure amongst my the people that I worked with in, at school. Uh, I knew I could accelerate it in that class and, and theater because I also worked really hard in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I got a scholarship. I went to college to study it. All of those things empowered me in a way, just like awards do. But to tell you the truth, it's I have to do it. I, even even there's I have books, man, like this. They're filled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, right. are, that are not even songs that nobody's heard they're they're words, haven't even right. been organized. they're <laughs> words they're ideas i that i've always had to somehow express myself that way if i'm and through the process of looking at it forcing myself to look at it even if it's really dark that that picking up an instrument you know when worlds mm-hmm. worlds words fail music right starts starts to integrate all of it in this way that starts to show itself that's a bigger than me kind of a thing. And right. I, that's why I, f- I find it, again, humbling, spiritual. It has a- aspects of the physical, the mental, it's historical. There, there are so many things that I, it, it, it exhilarates me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so your, your question is huge because, mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's a, that's a real good explanation of it, man. Yeah, it's uh, 
because I've because I've always been um um being able to push myself to do whatever I want to do, you know. And my parents have always been um behind me one hundred percent. So I understand your whole you want them to push yourself to make yourself better. It's not for the awards, not for nothing, you know. It's just for you and you alone. And and, and I didn't so. want I, I hate I hated teachers and people that told me that I was. I wouldn't. I wouldn't amount to anything. Yeah. That I was. That I was stupid. I don't. I don't. I don't like. I, I don't think anybody's <clears throat> stupid. I just think that sometimes we don't know yet. Right. Yeah. And it, and, it, and, it, and it, ignorance at a, at a certain point may be considered as such because of repetitiousness of mistakes. Right. You know. Yeah. What's maybe. the old saying? You know, there's an old saying. Uh, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame, shame on, on me. me. Right. right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah. That motto can't go. You know. So, um, with so many genres out there in the world today, um, I feel like you, uh, like, and your music blurs with the lines of pop, rock, folk, and country. Um, so which, which genre would you classify yourself as? Like, which, which one would you, yeah, which one would you classify yourself as, you know? Well, there is a lot of genres there. I mean, there's some I haven't, you know, yet haven't explored and may never. Right. That's what, that's okay. What, what was harder for me was to figure out who I was. I always consider what I do. People say, what is it? I say kitchen sink, you know, cause it's just like everything in the kitchen sink. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's I'm great. What I'm that's trying, a great response. I'm trying to, I'm trying to garner, I try to get a, like a humoristic response to open up a dialogue with people about what it all is, even for them. Right. Uh, um, but but I I, I don't want to shut myself off to 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 what those things may be. There are natural places I gravitate to because I, I like earthy stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a bass and electric guitar. I'm gonna right. get behind a drum kit, a Hammond organ. All of that stuff has that same sort of like connectiveness, tactical connectiveness to me. Um, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like <laughs> kitchen sink. I mean, I, li- yeah. I like a lot of stuff. And, I, and I, at a very young age, I was told, you know, keep an open head right, yeah. about what it is. I played in country bands. I played in funk bands. I played in blues bands. I played in con- uh, 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 klezmer bands, African bands, rock bands, all, all con- classical. I played in a concert band for years. Mm. I, I, jazz ensembles to death. How many cocktail receptions, <laughs> weddings, and things right. that I've done? Right. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think it's all healthy because it, it keeps your mind active, and yes. just like anything, any anything mm. in life that you do, that's the best thing of all. Right. Yeah. Uh, I honestly believe that you shouldn't limit yourself to one thing. You know, because there's so many there's so many bands now that I never thought would listen to other bands. You know, you, you hear about Metallica, so you just think they listen to nothing but metal. Uh, country artists, they don't even, we know, uh, listen to rap, but yet they do awesome cover, awesome um, collaborations with rap artists as well as country artists. You know, that's right. So that's that's right. A, that's a very good thing, you know. Yeah. So and, you'd be, and you'd be surprised sometimes from people that are like, fixed in people's minds from certain genres that they think oh they wouldn't like that no, right or they wouldn't like that like right. Bar- Branford Mar- Branford Marcellus 
is a prime example that I love. Not his brother Wynn, but Bradford. So Bradford like toured with the Grateful Dead for a while. <laughs> nice. And he, and he yes. was also a, and a, and a huge Led Zeppelin fan. Right. Yeah. So when, when I yeah. when I heard that, I was like, what? dude. Like, and, I, and I loved all the stuff he did with Sting, right? With right. Dream of the Blue Turtles, and I love his solo stuff. So it's like <laughs> the guy's a Zeppelin fan. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, there's there's a really uh, a fine fine line between. Um, you know, finding out what 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 music is and what music means to people, and I think that's right. very very special. You know, so uh, between all your albums, um, Oracles and Ice Cream, which came out came out in 2011, Letters from High Latitudes came out in 2014, and Red Omen came out in 2016. Which of those between those three albums, uh, which was the most easiest to record, and which one was the most hardest? To record and why? I'm throwing them out there, man. I know you got it, James. You're like <laughs> this man. Um, well, Oracles was was is big. It's a double album, and it, and it, it's actually half instrumental and half like lyrical content. And and it was really for me like it, as a as a writer, really getting into the process of understanding who I was, and and allowing everything to come out of the kitchen sink, hit the wall mm. and find out what, what works, what doesn't work, not only for me, but what was working for other people. Uh, so that was a, pro- that was a process record. Um, and, and it's quite often, a lot of times people say to me, well, you know, what, what's the most important song or album that you wrote? Well, when I re- released letters from high latitudes, I'd gotten back together with Dave and Mike Friedman from an older project we had called Special Ed and the Musically Challenged. Mm-hmm. And we recorded a tune called I Found God. And, Ooh, and nice. that, 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 that tune for me was like, you know, a big number in terms of like lyrical philosophy intermingled with itself because I kind of consider myself a, a pantheist in, in that way. I was born and raised, you know, as a Christian. But every time I walk around this planet, I'm amazed as to how nature is so godlike in teaching me certain things. And I'm continually humbled by animals, insects, anything that you can think of that literally just puts me in my proverbial place as the, you know, modified simian that I might be. So, so, so that album was, 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 was a little harder because it was really funneling all of those feelings and ideas that I really wanted to like people say, well, you're labeling yourself as a certain kind of writer or what you're doing. It wasn't necessarily that, but it was more honing those ideas. And, and I actually, you know, there's like 10 tunes that didn't make it to that record because it didn't felt it was part of the grouping that worked in itself. Right. Then, then red omen was, a, was a whole other process of working with two other musicians, Anthony cook and Chris Taggart, uh, on on a lot of the tunes, we had a lot of fun and went on the road and we're down in Texas, and, you know, south, Ooh, south by yeah. southwest in Austin, and it was it was a, it was a longer process that album, and it, and it, and not only was it a longer process, and it, it's just getting together because again, organizing schedules, making things happen, rehearsals, recording dates, all of that, the process of the album unfolding has been the longest process of three years where some of the videos have gotten attention for an extended period of time. And with the title track of that Red Almond album, since May of 2019, when we released it in New York City, 
uh, it's gotten so much attention worldwide and brought in so much attention to the whole dyslexic society in Canada and raised over $40,000 for uh, facilitating programs for children that struggle with dyslexia. Right. That song alone has had three or four years of tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of, of of it not only being used, played, and enjoyed, but it now being a figurehead and, and and vanguard for for bringing the idea of what dyslexia is to to North America. Right. Uh, right. So I, I that that for me is even though the process has been long, it's been really vindicating and enjoyable, and I feel sorry. very humbled mm. that it's had that kind of impact excuse me it's okay yeah <laughs> take, take, take your time it, it mm. uh it really has a lot to do with why i got involved with music because mm-hmm. i always felt that um music could help it helped me immensely and, and having it be something that's more than just somebody like, hey, that song made me feel really good. I'm driving down the road and I'm having a better day. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's yeah. good. That's that's what we want. Yeah. But it, it, the fact that it's doing what it's doing and connected to that community on that way uh, is is life changing. Yeah. Cool. You got me widow, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, my, I was on a forcible confinement and weapons charges case four and a half months and I was even sequestered. Oh. And I remember we were all like deliberating and the jury was fighting and I just walked out and I lost it. And the judge came up to me. She's an amazing lady, half Ukrainian, half Micmac Indian. Mm. And she and she, she she had her hand behind her back. She was wearing her judge's robe. And she just opens, she says, open your hand. And I open my hand like this, and she drops a bag of marbles in my hand. And she goes, just in case you lose your marbles. And it made me laugh. Yeah. And then she looked, she looked at me and she pointed, she said, don't ever be afraid to cry. No, no. It, mean, it means it means you're showing your humanity. Right. And then she walked away. It was like <laughs> it was like this weird like, <laughs> like what, weird what just happened to me? Yeah, what just happened to yeah. me? Right. Yeah. And I walked back into the room, and and, and sure enough, we were all. But I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 some questions, man, in interviews, I'm not ashamed to say I'm an open book. Right, right. Even when it comes to the emotional thing, you may even hear me going off and pontificating about something in a very angry way because <laughs> I have disdain about something. And oh, I think yeah. that's okay too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anytime you, you want to. I think it's good because it shows strength too. Um, a lot of people will think you're crying this week, but then oh, it, it's like a lot of strength, you know, because you that's care, because right, you're very passionate about whatever subject you're talking about and you really want to express it, you know? So, um, thank you for sharing that with us. Yes, um, man. I appreciate it. Also on the Red Omen album, I found one song that I really, um, uh, loved personally because I, I have depression, um, not severely, but I do have it. Uh, and there's, there, there's one song that I that I can take with me from now on and listen to that song and I'll feel just okay, you know, just great about life and everything. And this is your song called I Am Love. Uh, that song really spoke to me in words that I cannot express to you right now. Uh, so, um, did you write that song for people that are having a bad day to remind them your love or did you just write that song just for you, yourself? Cause that's Another a very, great. very, very, very powerful song. So 
James, it's you're gonna make me lose it again. No, no, no dude. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, I, I, got, I, got, yeah. I got, I got, I got it together. Right okay, now. all right, good. The the, the 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 whole aspect of it is is that like, I'm, there's you just said I fight a lot of depression. Yeah, I mean, I, right. And I think we all do. On, you know, I mean. And 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 I realize that that most people don't want to talk about it. But if you don't talk about it, then it's never going to go away. You know. Well, that's just it. So. And I think as humans, we all fight it, fight it in right. some way, in different points in time. Some more intensely than others. Uh, some of us are highly um, empathetic, so mm. we we feel the repercussions of other things differently than others. That doesn't mean we're better or worse. No. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people put on a good face sometimes they, <laughs> right. they, they color their world with a lot of material things mm. in order to think that that's, what's going to make them happy. Right. But uh, what I've found is that like, yes, that song came from a place where I, I was like depressed, man. Yeah. Okay. I was, All right. I, I was, I was in, a, I was in a, a hard, hard space. Just thinking about life, why, where, who, how, and when, you know, and, and asking myself hard questions like, why are you here, man? Right. What do you do? What do you, what, what the, are you doing <laughs> yeah, here? Right. You know, like, and, 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 and why are you doing it? And if that, if it's the case, this is what you've been doing for so long. So what's the message, Joe? What is it? So that, so the idea that came to me was that was like, well, I'm a messenger. I'm here to leave these messages, these time markers. Right. Some of them may be hard to swallow. Some of them may be easy to palate right away, but they're messages nonetheless. Right. So they're, so they're radical in, in regards of their interpretations because they're your interpretations of the moment. They're just words, but they're words that meant something to me in the moment that changed the negative into the positive because I asked myself those hard questions. And what was it? What, what message do I want to leave? Man, the reason I fight a lot of depression is because of the hatred, anger, fear mm. that I see so many people in the world experiencing. I, I want to try to say, be, be love. Yeah, try, to right. be, try, to, try to understand it in a way that may be so difficult to understand that it hurts in, yeah. in the strangest of ways. Because it's, it's even difficult, like, you know, if people call themselves Christians, but, you know, uh, to embrace your enemy in a way that changes them is the, is, the, is the greatest weapon of all. Love can actually do that in certain ways, but it's the hardest thing to do. So it's almost a challenge, which that's what that song rep represented to me. Mm -hmm. the, the, that's the, the, the shout chorus that everybody hears. So this, the chorus is the refrain. But the, the, the other things that are happening through it, through the verses, like, man, I, I, I try not to watch a lot of TV. People like to say, I, well, you can I, I don't have cable. I have no cable at all. I refuse to watch TV. Yeah. So field goal, like yeah. kick it through because like you're not missing much other than, than fear. And, yeah. and, and, and you can get a lot of information in a lot of other places that's good and healthy and more empowering. And it doesn't mean that you're misinformed. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're misinformed. So with that said, the, 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 there were, there were things that I wanted to cut myself out of, you know, and not in a way that was like, you're not a participant of the world anymore. No, I just going to remove myself and cut the digital, the digital umbilical cord for a while yeah. to, 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 to connect right. with me, my living environment, people around me, my friends, my family, and, and, and realize what is important to me. 
so I, I, I'm glad you brought that song up. A couple other people in the last little while have also used it as part of an intro to their shows and things that are like that. And I'm honored that they mm. want to do it because it's, it's again, it's spreading. I'm, I'm happy they want to do it. I get the tune out there, but at the same time, I, I like that the messages are, are being used. Yeah. I, it's like people say to me, well, if something gets built, nobody ever uses it and it sits in the corner. A maker hates that. Yeah. Right. I hate it. I hate, mm. you know, it's like somebody buys something and they don't use it. How long have you had that? 15 years. Do you enjoy it? No, I've never used it. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You know, right. it, doesn't yeah. any, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. for the sake of owning it, you know, yeah. and I'd rather I'd rather own my moment, my experience, and and and, and relay it somehow that 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 I think everybody else has the potential to do too, to share it in conversation, even simply at a grocery store with somebody that's looking for the for peanuts and can't find them, or you know, a nice conversation with somebody that sold you a pair of shoes. There's right. an incredible amount of exchange that can occur in a very artistic way. Uh, but you got to look at it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautifully said because, um, and, and I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, everybody should, should uh, turn off the TV and start living life more, you know. Because I remember, um, you know, going outside when I was a kid and playing games with friends and I, I wasn't worried about anything, you know. So that's the real thing. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And you know what? It's like I wrote a tune a number of years back with Mike and Dave called "Throw Your TV Sets Out." Yeah, right. <laughs> and, 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 and and what I what I really was trying to do was was to show the, the, the this perspective from a young child's mind. When I was a kid, my parents went out for the night. I was left home. My grandmother fell asleep, and I and I started to take the TV apart. It was still plugged in. I had a screwdriver, <laughs> took the back out, started pulling tubes out. My parents came home. The part of the carpet was black from sparks coming yeah. out of the back. I yeah. thought that there was a, a person in there. And I thought I could get him out. <laughs> right. And and my, I wanted the, the lyrical content to, to go through this process of like a young person's mind's perspective of what the TV is. And as you go through it, you becoming a part of the accelerated process and being absorbed into the machine of information as it were. Mm-hmm. So, but the, but the, but the idea was, well, <clears throat> wait a minute. No, you got to throw it out. Yeah. It's more important. It's more important that the kid took the TV apart than it is that he watched it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some more, more. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's more. There, there's much more gratification and satisfying learning yourself instead of somebody else telling you how to, how to do it, how to learn, how to, you know, make it this way or that way. So I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully behind you on that one, 100. percent uh, what 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 was your process for recording albums? Does it differ with with every album you record, or is it the the same major? Um, steps you have to go through. That's uh, a good question too, because I, I, I a lot of times what, what I've what I've come to realize is that it's like the like writing th- that once the song has presented itself and you figured out arrangement and, and, and pretty much everything in terms of how you know you want it to start to evolve, it then says, well, maybe we should approach it this way from. The moment that you start like figuring out, you know, your tempo and what's happening in the tune to where it sits most comfortably for how you're delivering the lyrics, mm-hmm. 
or pushing it in a certain way so that you're delivering the lyrics in a certain way. Right. Um, to, you know, what kind of microphones you want to use and how to capture it. In some cases, like, we've gone totally gorilla with like, okay, so I'll have like the kit set up in the back, right? It's it's tight mic. So every drum has a, a mic on it. Right. Uh, there's, there's, you know, overhead mics. We have a ribbon mic that we set up on the floor, basically that we, you know, we really compress. So it gives it that sort of John Bonham kind of sound. That's about three feet out from the kit, like near the floor tom and the bass drum. There's two broom mics that are like 10 feet away from the kit. So you're capturing the sound of the broom. <laughs> Excuse me. And in the end of it, we may end up only using three of those mics or, or, or this little junky mic that we decide to put up in the room that we may be using partially to like, you know, trigger something in some way, but we're going to just use a live feed. It, it sounds like it works better for the overall idea, even though you have all that fidelity at your disposal. Uh, Mike Jack's famous. I love him on sessions. He'll come in. He goes, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, oh, I was just at a garage sale. Check out what I got. I'm like, oh, no. He's the king. Oh. Yeah, like, Mike has like one of the most elaborate old radio collections, including old quartz crystal mm. radios. Some of the first radios ever put out by Sony. It's his, his studio is called the Radio Rooms. It's almost like a museum for radios. But he also has this knack for finding great old microphones. Nice. And other things that people are just like disregarding. I don't know what to do with it. It's been sitting in a box for years. My uncle used to da-da-da. Yeah. He'll show up with some like little junky mic. It's like, okay, we're going to use this today. Mm -hmm. We're gonna try this one out. It's like, what are we gonna do? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll use it on something. And sure enough, we'll capture a guitar with it or like, you know, mic and amp with it. Mm. Just because it's there and we want to experiment with it again, tactically, mm. sometimes it'd be like, nah. Nah, nah, nah. But see, Screw, well, forget it. Just set up the other mic and let's get out, you right. know, like. But, see, but so um, it, it all happens as part of the process. But have you ever found some microphones that, that are truly amazing and you're like, where was this all my life or something? Or like, or like did all, you know? Well, that's the thing. I think it's user experience. I, I've used Neumann's, yeah, uh, yeah. AKGs, all sorts of high-end, you know, microphones. But then, you know, I've got a, a couple mics that, they're like $400 mics. That's a lot of money maybe to some people when it comes to a microphone. But when you're looking at some other price tags for microphones that are like six to 10 grand right. for just components, the way they were built, the chassis, we're talking about gold soldering, the cardioid <laughs> actual envelope is, you know, it's the, they're exquisitely built. They are Cadillacs of microphones. But when you A and B, some of those microphones against the 475, you'd be like, yeah like, i don't know i guess yeah. it is but sometimes <laughs> it's capturing the performance so right. I, I think yeah. it's again it's the information that matters the most you know right. and, and and capturing it is not secondary but but it <clears throat> is a part of that process of what the information means and needs right yeah um i have two more questions for you um, I sure. didn't expect this to happen, but uh, I just thought no, of a question right up. No, no, that's fine, that's fine. You mentioned John Bonham, and John Bonham's like one of the is, I think, is the greatest drummer on earth. But uh, but Neil Peart passed away uh, like last year or about a few months ago. I'm not really sure. Um, 
and uh, so Lars Ulrich from Metallica said that John Bonham is the supreme drummer. Um, in your in your opinion, do you believe that's correct, or do you think that Neil Peart is uh, a notch above him, or 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 do you have any other drummer that you want to share with this? Yo, Buddy Rich was a hero to most. Yo, Buddy Rich was a hero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, that this is this is the interesting thing about prowess amongst the listening community is that. Um, it's defined inside of the genre of popularity and graded as such. Mm. And, and you, you so eloquently put it out there at the beginning of the conversation that, you know, I've changed, I've evolved, but I still love. Right. Yes. And with that, with that said, some people relinquish maybe another learning experience or listening experience and, and, and stay in a certain area and genre and era of music because it's comfortable and that's fine. I love that about people. I mm. love nostalgia and I love people's enthusiasm. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think it can be dangerous to grade people based on those standards because John Bottom to me is like the quintessential drummer for Zeppelin. Right. There's nobody because he was a part of what made Zeppelin just like Page and Plant and John Paul Jones mm. just as important as as any of the other people. Uh, you know, when he was gone, it was hard to replicate. Yeah. Just like with Keith Moon and and Kenny yeah, entering the band, really it, it was a whole other thing, right? Mm -hmm. Pert's the same thing, but as a young Canadian man and Pert being from St. Catharines and Getty growing up in Toronto and Neil growing up or Alex growing up in Toronto. Um, they were like heroes, right. to young musicians, especially young progressive rock musicians uh, that, that not only did they make it as a young group of musicians, but they offered a lot of, of, uh, and I'm like an incredible amount of diversity and people say, well, they're the classic, you know, prog rock mm. band. Yes in that definition. But when you think about Le Pert's lyrical writing and talking about Pert passing, mm. he left a, a really unbelievable mm. time marker of information and philosophy that made people change the way they thought about words and ideas and language because he himself was so inspired. I, I, I'm not going to rate Pert higher than bottom, but Pert affected me differently because right. as a words person, I was so enamored with the lyrics that they were writing. I was like, you know, who uses a word like that in rock music? Like it, 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 it almost allowed there to be this doorway and license to say, you can have this potential. I started reading like J.R.R. Tolkien and, and, you know, Anne Rand. I was like, my mom's like, you should read some Anne Rand one day. And then I started talking, hearing about Neil Peart talking about the Fountainhead. And I'm like, hey, mom, I, I heard that you have some Anne Rand around the house. And do you have the Fountainhead? No, we have Atlas Shrugged, though. You know, like, uh, <laughs> it was him right. that, 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 that changed that. So for me, he, it impacted me different. But I, I think they both have such importance with what they did and who they mm. were. You can't, you can't replace them. Mm. You can't I, replace either one of them. Right. I 100% agree with you again on this one because I'm like, how can you compare the two? Because just because, just because, um, like, um, have, I, 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 I'm sure you've heard of Michelangelo Badio, right? He's like known as the world's fastest guitarist. 
just because you play fast doesn't mean you're good as as, as somebody else. Because I think that Joe Satriani is equally talented. You know, so so there is no such thing as the greatest anything. You know, it's a matter well, of and who. That's true. It, 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 it's a matter of who, what, where, why, and how. Yeah. And it's all it's symbiotic between the listener and the and the, and the deliverer of the information. It's funny you say that because it conjured this thought. Ted Atkins, famous guitar player, was yes. once asked, he goes, right. he's like in between sets. And, and, you know, he was playing and his band comes up and he, he starts talking to Chet. And he's like, oh, Chet, you know, I just love the, your sound. And, 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 you know, like that guitar, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, what kind of strings are those? And, and are those, what are those like, got to be the best pickups around? And what mm. kind of wood is that? And da, 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 da. And he was just going on and on about the guitar, right? Mm. And, and then and then Chet just sort of standing with his arms crossed like this. And he just says, oh, yeah? He says, uh, how does it sound now? In, in other words, it's in between set. He's not playing. The right. guy's raving about the guitar. Right. But it's Chet that makes the guitar sound like that and makes it sound like Chet. Right. So yeah. so without uh, the, 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 the tool... The, the procurer of information cannot allow it to come through. And the individuality and the personality of that is a developing thing that once found is still in a state of development, but it's one of the hardest things because as a player, you were mentioning Bonham and Pert, people are like, well, I want to play like Bonham. I want to play like Pert. Well, yeah, of course, who wouldn't want to play like that? And not and being able to play some of the stuff that they do is a great education in being able to do something on a drum kit. Right. Um, so, so there's so much going on in the musical experience, man. We go, we go on for days. <laughs> That's good because I got time. Right <laughs> okay, so our last question for you is: um, a lot of people experiment with different types of stuff, like you were mentioning, what kind of wood, what kind of strings, and blah blah blah. You know. Um, what music uh, instruments, products do you endorse, and why do you chose chose them other other above other like products? I'm, I endorse Dean Markley. Um, Dean Markley's been around forever. I mean, mm. you used to buy a, a Martin, you know, D eighteen or something like that, and they would come with Martin strings or, or Dean Markley strings. I know Ernie Ball for the for the longest time was the main manufacturer in the United States for both tons of companies. To Dario, yeah. there were so many people that were manufacturing, but I always found that Dean Markley was like so reliable. I was a mm -hmm. Roto Sound guy. I was using Funk Master strings, and, and and that was like I was also gravitating to as a young player. Well, who does <laughs> what strings do they use? Because I want to sound like them, like them more. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and do and, and modify your instruments so that they do that. And that's cool. That's all part of the search. Yeah. It's not totally who you are yet, but so so Dean Markley is, has been one of those things. I love their their uh cryogenic pack bass strings. They put them in gas line antifreeze at first and then package them. Right. And it condenses the wire. They have a lot of longevity, they last a long time. I re I boil strings. Yeah. If a, if a string goes flat on me, oh, like yeah. they're dead. Yeah. Take them, wind them up, wind them up again. Get an old pot, boil them on the stove for about a half an hour. Gets all the dirt and grime. Metal expands again right. in the heating process, and when they come out clean and the metal mm. contracts again, they almost sound brand new. Mm. So uh, I've been looking for an Ampeg endorsement for a little while. So if Ampeg's listening, <laughs> I'm still looking for my endorsement. Yeah. I love Ampeg. Yeah. I love Ampeg amplifiers. Yeah, but just but everybody listening, just remember it's about you and what you like, you know, because um, 
like we said before, you make you make the instrument talk. It doesn't talk on its own, you know. And and uh, well, you know, yeah. And then, so. and then the other thing is too. I have also found like sometimes I like right now my strat. I've got thirteens. Uh, <clears throat> Ooh. On, on the high E, thirteens, yeah. right? Oh, People are like thirteen. Yeah. Well, the reason I did it was to make push myself and my hands in a different way. I had heard that Stevie Ray Vaughan had used thirteens years ago. I never changed my strings. I'd use like an eleven. You know, you get a guitar. It's usually still the nine or ten on the high E, mm. and, and it allows the younger finger or the younger player to have a little bit more. You know, it's not going to destroy my fingers before dinner. Yeah, you know, kind of <laughs> right. or after dinner. Right. So, yeah. But yeah. but but when I I started thinking to myself, man, he's playing tunes like Lenny, and things like that with these huge like major seven chords with 13s can it like how strong were the guy's hands yeah so for about the last six months i've had 13s on that and and at first it was really weird but now i pick it up and i'm like i can't I love yeah, it you're right yeah i love it I <laughs> want, you know but then when we were recording on the last album mike jack brought in two telecasters that were his that we wanted to use and they had 11s on it and then all of a sudden i was like oh but man this is like so effortless to pull and push notes around you know, I can see why somebody would want a lighter gauge on a telly like that for doing guitar licks and stuff, yeah. right? Because you can pull double notes and stuff, right? Right. Um, but but yeah, you're right. It's it's what is <clears throat> what makes you most comfortable, right? A yeah. lot of the time, yeah. right? Yeah, because I'm to to right. Yeah, because everybody wants to sound like somebody, and I don't think they they have the ability to do that because because you're you're cheating yourself out of what you can do with the instrument, you know. So yeah. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's like you hear historical people, you know, talk. Like I was listening to Randy Bachman, you know, from Bachman Turner and Overdrive, and guess who talk about some early writing experiences and, and remembering that, like, when he wrote Taking Care of Business or like uh, Blue Collar, he was like listening to Beatles records. He was so heavily yeah. influenced by the, by the Beatles, it wasn't even follow funny. And when he wrote Blue Collar, he wanted it to sound like paperback writing. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, blue collar worker. Oh, no. Blue collar worker. And I'm like, right? And now you hear blue collar. Blue collar. It's like this jazzy, yeah. you know, funky okay, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, again, it, 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 influences are so important. But again, defining yourself sometimes takes time. I, I, I didn't learn it the hard way, but it took a while. Mm-hmm. It's really only in the last 15 years that I feel like I've defined kind of what my sound is and what it isn't. Some people ask me, like, what is it? I said to you earlier, it's the kitchen sink. Some people ask me about what my method is. You've asked me the process. To tell you the truth, there's no method to my method other than not having a method. Right. In, in, in that regard, it allows the doorway to always be open for for what the experience can offer you, mm. not what you can offer the experience. Right, because exactly. that's all. That's you're always going to be there. You're the one in the experience, having the experience as the experiencer. Mm. Right. Right. So uh, again, I, I, I it, it, you know, music is so subjective. So defining anything as somebody's better than 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 something else, it's, it's really hard to do. It is. Yeah. Well, um, that's all the questions I have for you, man. This was a fantastic interview, and uh, I I really appreciate you coming on. And you were 
a blast to talk with. You know, I feel like we can talk for another two and a half hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. so um, I, yeah, I I really do hope that you come back and uh, you know talk with us later on. Um, do uh, here's another question for you. Do you have any? Because I because I know you just released a uh, a uh, single called Tomorrow's Today. Um, is that off of your? Is is that a hint of a upcoming album you have for us? Yes, it is. It's called A Recipe for Perpetual Spring. And uh, it's another grouping of probably 10 or ten or 13, maybe 14 numbers. They've all been tracked or in a state of being mixed. But what I'm doing, and I, maybe it's also a byproduct of sort of the day and age that we live in, but releasing singles about every three months with a little video. Right thing that goes along with it whether it be a lyric video the, I, I, we just released tomorrow is today mm-hmm. it's been getting wonderful attention thank you really for mentioning it on the show oh yeah no um, problem. The, the we're on the precipice of literally releasing the visual video that goes hand in hand with that right so it's as i said it's a part of a recipe for perpetual spring and in the, in the spring of 2021 oh, nice. i'm planning on cutting a vinyl record uh and having all those on the vinyl album because i i i it'll, it'll be there in the digital you know machine yeah. for everybody to connect to but I, I think we're sort of making this interesting transition back to that world again and what That's i like great. about it is That's that great. there's so many there's so many things between how you feel as an artist making something and then having it actually be a commodity that transgresses into the idea that somebody then can hold it tangibly in their hand mm-hmm. and that they're, they're, they're physically in possession of something that makes it feel like I'm holding and touching something other than just in my phone. Right. People are really starting to dig that again. Yeah. And, and that's why I want to, I want, I want to release a, a vinyl album. So when it's ready, I'll send you one, bro. Good. Uh, thank you very much because I love vinyl records and and yes you're right it is coming back in a major strong stronger uh, presence um, because yeah. because like you said I like me I do everything um, on Apple Music um, and I kind of miss that that feeling of touching the record and you know just have a physical copy over there I must have like about hundred records right now so your record will be in it and I will love to, love to listen to it so if, if, right on, if your whole record right is like tomorrow's today man I'm gonna, I'm instantly going to love it so thank it's you very much it's all over the place so you're very welcome my pleasure my pleasure yeah, cool let's go okay well um, yeah well thank you once again and I hope to have you back later on yeah James for sure stay in touch man it's been yes, great sir. talking to you bud been awesome talking yes, to you yes sir alright thank you Thank you. Listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more and thank you for listening.